Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the NBA Game to the Week podcast. My name is Kalen Osmond. I'm an amateur podcaster and all-around NBA fan, and this is a podcast where every Monday morning of the NBA season, I will highlight for you, the listeners, the NBA games you should look out for that week. If you would like some more information about the podcast or myself, go and check out episode zero for a fun little introduction about the show. Four quarters as usual this week, starting with the first quarter, which is for the newer NBA fans, where we're going to break down two games, starting with the LeBron and AD Lakers' first trip to Salt Lake City, and then moving on to a potential finals preview with Giannis and the Rolling Bucks against the load-managed Clippers. Then on to the second quarter, which is for the more veteran NBA fans, where we're going to break down another two games including Luka Doncic going to the cold north to battle Carl Anthony Towns, and then on to the battle of the perimeter wings with the Celtics taking on the Nuggets. Next up will be the third quarter, which is for the crazier NBA fans, where we're going to break down one game, which I'm going to keep a little secret, but it does involve a beard, a Brody, and some terrible defense. Then stick around for the fourth quarter to hear the two can't-miss games for this week of NBA action. Now for a quick break, we'll be back with the first quarter. Better job. So welcome back, NBA fans, to the first quarter, where I'm going to detail the games for the introductory fan. These are going to be the more media and storyline-focused games for those trying to get into the So we're going to start with game number one, which is the Los Angeles Lakers playing at the Utah Jazz on Wednesday, December 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So the big reason I chose this game is that both of these teams are kind of on a roll and have high-end talent. With a collection of Donovan Mitchell, Mike Connolly, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and others, setting this up to be a very competitive game early on in this season, and maybe a potential preview for a late-stage Western Conference playoff battle. So just starting off with the Lakers, coming into this game, the Lakers have won 10 straight games. I'm not including their game against the Mavericks, because as a recording, it's not over yet. So hopefully they win to make it 11 straight. And so far, just give their fundamentals. At the time of recording, the Lakers are 17-2 and at the top of the Western Conference and are 6th in offense, 2nd in defense, and overall 3rd in net rating. The big reason for this was their major acquisition over the offseason of Anthony Davis, where he's been going absolutely nuts this season. He's 5th in PER with 27.85, and along with that, he's averaging 26.1 points, 9 rebounds a game, just under 3 blocks, and 2 steals a game which is absolutely incredible. Just all across the board on both sides of the court, this man is a complete difference maker. And he's just second on the team in usage behind, who'd you guess, LeBron James, who has a slightly lower PR, but still averaging 25.8 points a game, 7.3 rebounds, and 11.0 assists. With the assists being by far a career high, and with just a couple more rebounds, he can be averaging basically a triple-double. Both these players have been playing out of their minds this season, specifically on the defensive end, which is the big reason why the Lakers' defense is so prolific. Because if you look at the rest of the Lakers' defensive talent, it's not that stellar. Having LeBron James actually try on the defensive end is one of the biggest reasons that they're competitive at all on the defense things. Because besides that, their perimeter defense consists of Avery Bradley, who has not been good since his Boston days, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who's pretty okay, actually, uh, Alex Crusoe, below average. Quinn Cook, extreme below, below average. Jared Dudley, definitely washed out. And then Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, who can only guard the paint. So the combination of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Danny Green, that has created the league's number two defense. 
And they're going up against a Jazz team who's right now 12-7 and seven with a ninth in defense, 22nd in offense, and 12th in overall net rating, which don't sound like very good statistics, but specifically on the defensive end, they were the number one defense for a few weeks there, basically tied with the Lakers. It's just because of their recent skid that has kind of pushed their statistics lower. And a big reason for these low-end statistics is actually that the Jazz have been playing one of the hardest schedules of the league thus far the fourth hardest to be exact when compared to the lakers who have actually had the second easiest schedule thus far so even though their raw statistics seem pretty far away they're both pretty comparable teams so the big difference makers for the jazz specifically in this game that you should pay attention to is mike Connolly. so because he's gonna have a great advantage because he's only being guarded by either rajon rondo quinn cook or avery bradley especially with danny green pushed to guarding donovan mitchell in this game you should really be paying attention to how Mike Connolly performs and takes advantage of the weaker defensive talent. But just to go into how Donovan Mitchell's been playing, he averages 25 points a game, five rebounds, and just under four assists with a 20.9 PR. He's definitely taken a step forward this year on both ends of the court and has greatly been helped by the attention that Connolly has taken away. You might see in this game that if Mike Connolly's rolling and actually just demolishing the Lakers' guards, that Danny Green might have to be forced to be put on Mike Connolly, allowing Donovan Mitchell to... Uh, capitalize maybe in the second half of this game and just to kind of show how much he's been helped by Mike Connolly's offense is that he's equal his best field goal percentage of his career with 44 percent and a three-point percentage of 38 percent with his free throws being at a career high in terms of attempts and free throw percentage and actually his personal fouls and turnovers being at a career low so having the ball out of his hands and having a, a strong offensive ball handler on the wing has greatly improved statistics all around. And we just go back down to each one of these teams and their matchup together. Both these teams have unproven rosters and are championship picks. In terms of the Western Conference Finals, the top four is really the Rockets, Jazz, Clippers, and Lakers. With an honorable mention to the Nuggets, which are second in the West right now, who may overtake the Rockets if the Rockets defense stays as bad as it's been. And they're both kind of unproven specifically because of their new rosters. With the Lakers having not really been in the playoffs over the past like five or six seasons and having their big addition, the difference maker being Anthony Davis, no one really knows how far this roster can go. And on the other side, you have the Jazz, who, as we talked about a bunch, Mike Connolly being a new addition, we have no idea how that's going to look down the line in Western Conference Finals territory. And if you're going to zero in on this game, the biggest matchup to watch here, there's two. The first is the Davis versus Gobert matchup in the low block. Gobert is a master defensively, a defensive player of the year with him being the front runner again this season. Anthony Davis is basically in the top three for that as well and is an offensive monster. So we're going to see if Davis can hold up his offensive game against the defensive mind of Gobert and, may, and let's see if Gobert can finish on top of Davis as much as he's been especially with how fast the Lakers play. I don't know how well Gobert can guard in the transition because he's pretty much a stout garden space shot blocker. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup. And on the other side, you're going to see Royce O'Neal versus LeBron James. So this one's going to be very interesting, specifically because the Jazz, to compete at the highest level, are going to need a player to guard the top forwards in the these being Paul George, Kawhi, LeBron, Harden, etc. And that guy for them is Royce O'Neal. So this is a pretty big test early with the, the fully-fledged early-season Lakers before they've done any bio-candidates or trades. We're going to see how Royce O'Neal is able to attack LeBron James and kind of stay on him to kind of get a preview of what it's going to take for the Jazz to go forward and 
succeed and win a championship. So if you're interested in any of these things, come on down on Wednesday, December 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to see this Western Conference Finals preview. Now on to game number two, which is the Clippers at the Bucks on Friday, December 6th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. So the big reason I chose this game, kind of like the last game, is that this is going to be a late stage playoff preview. Specifically because it's an East and West team, this could be the finals preview that will happen in the Bucs look like the far and away front runners in the West with Giannis playing out of his mind and the whole team starting to gel. Well, the Clippers, on the other hand, have finally gotten Paul George in and he's been playing great, especially in a time where Kawhi Leonard's kind of dropped off a little bit. So if both these teams kind of keep their form and use their depth to go far in the playoffs, we could see Giannis and Kawhi going head-to-head this coming June. And another thing about this game is that these teams actually played before early in the season. And it was actually a very close game and pretty fun to watch. But I don't put too much weight in it because the Clippers didn't have Paul George at the time. And as I said in previous weeks, we know that getting an MVP and Defensive Player of the Year candidate to play alongside Kawhi Leonard is an unbelievable difference for this team. So you can't put a lot of stock into the performances of the Clippers early on before getting Paul George, as I believe now they're a completely different team. And just to kind of show that, the Clippers since Paul George have come back have won seven of their past eight with wins over the Mavericks, Celtics, and Rockets. The Mavericks win being the most impressive because the duo of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is able to really shut down the rolling Luka Doncic, who's actually averaged a triple-double in the month of November, and was looking to come into that game and to show that he and the Mavericks are able to perform on the highest stage. And now just going his raw numbers, he's averaging 22.6 rebounds and 4 assists while boasting a 21.65 PER. Obviously, playing alongside Kawhi Leonard has kind of put him as a second or third option, depending how well Lou Williams is playing. So these numbers are very impressive. With his big highlights being his first two games, he scored 33 points and 37 points, respectively. And he's kind of come back to earth in the last few games with a few mediocre games. But I won't put a lot of stock into the late-stage games, as most of the season he's been averaging about like 40 to 45%, from almost 100% from the free-throw line, and averaging about like over 20 points for most of his games. And the best part is, even if he has mediocre games scoring 18, 19 points, with lower efficiency, the team is still able to win. Where even against the Rockets, where he shot 3 of 10 from the three-point line, and an and Amir 19 points, he was still able to get to the free-throw line about uh, for 9 full shots, and they end up pulling out a 3-point win. So even we could dive deeper into this game and look at the matchup curiosity where Giannis against Kawhi and Paul George is the backup to Kawhi is my favorite thing. We've seen these two against the league's best offense and talents and Doncic and Hard that these guys can be absolutely de- deadly. But Giannis isn't a guard. So maybe he'll be too strong for them or he can blow past both guys. They just don't have the height or the athleticism to really block his shots. No one really does. So it's really going to be a meeting between a movable object and an unstoppable force. And you can't really predict this one. And beyond this, Ivica Zubac, who's the Clippers center, is going to have his hands full with the Lopez brothers. So if Giannis is able to blow past Kawhi Leonard and Paul George isn't able to help, he's going to be running straight at Ivica Zubac, who's going to have to help and try to block Giannis' shot, where he's going to be able to throw it to either Brooke or Robin Lopez and capitalize on some open threes or transition dunks. Because if you go into it, Brooke Lopez is an offensive force with who has a decorated post game and lights out shooting. Robin, his brother, is a rebounding and putback monster with defensive chops to keep up with anybody. And even if the Clippers switch to put on Demontre's Harrell, it could be even worse for the Clippers' defense as Harrell's a smaller guy. He could punish them more on the offensive end, but if the Lopez brothers keep rolling as they usually do, they might force it to kind of be an offensive matchup. 
taking away the defensive advantage Clippers have on the wing. So if you're curious about this game like I am and really want to see a finals preview so early in December, come on down on Friday, December 6th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time to watch this game. Now we're going to take another quick break. We're going to be back with the second quarter. Welcome back to the second quarter, listeners. Which of the games the more veteran NBA fans? Where we get more in the weeds and look to the more matchup focus and intriguing team slash player games. Starting off with game number one, which is the Dallas Mavericks at the Minnesota Timberwolves on Wednesday, December 4th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. Now the big reason I chose this game is because it's a battle of the young cores. The focus of both these cores being Towns for the Timberwolves and Doncic for the Dallas Mavericks. Now just to give you a rundown of what Doncic has done this season. He's scoring just under 31 points a game, just third in the league, 9.9 rebounds and 9.6 assists. So basically averaging a 30 point triple double and doing it with 32.96 PER which is just second in the league. And just a reminder before I go more into these stats, this man is 20 years old, born in 1999. So he is proving at such a young age that he can be the center of a great offense and it seems to be on track to becoming someone who could be the best player on a championship level team. He has torn through basically every team this season with an exception being against the Clippers last week where he was sort of shut down by the duo of Kawhi and George as I talked about last quarter. But you actually love to see him in those kind of games because it's definitely a learning experience for the player. Where that's the type of players he's going to have to beat to succeed at the highest level. So so that kind of performance is only going to be good for him. Now on to Carl Anthony Towns. And man, he is fun to watch. The 7-footer is putting up 26.3 points, 12.6 rebounds, 4.1 assists, and has a 28.76 PER, which is 4th in the league. And when watching Minnesota games, Cat is everything for that team on offense. What's crazy about the whole thing is that he's doing so much on the perimeter. Because the Timberwolves have such low shooting and lack of spacing, whenever Towns gets into the post, he basically gets into a double team. Where the opposing players are going to leave their primary assignments to rather to guard him. And even if he's able to pass it out to get the open three, that person's averaging about 25% on those looks. An opponent's going to take that all day long because even in the double team, Towns is scoring more points per possession than those other players. So instead of that, what he's doing is he's taking advantage of the open threes and jump shots he's getting from opposing centers. Because he's being guarded by centers, they're not used to guarding people in space, but he's able to take advantage of that. And he's shooting around nine threes a game, which is absolutely nuts and making about four of them and so shooting about 44.4 percent which is absolutely incredible this is uh, this is also bolstered by his pretty surprising defensive jump where every other season besides this when he's looked absolutely lost or kind of low effort on the defensive end when you see him running during a transition play to score a basket it's incredible to watch him go he's so fast which is so much more impressive because of how tall he is. But when you see him running back on defense, it's almost like a light jog. It looks like it's uncomfortable, like he doesn't want to be there, and they just want to put the effort in. This season is completely different. We're on both ends of the court, he's putting 100% effort. And maybe it's helping because um, on maybe his incredible shooting has really helped that out. Where he doesn't have to put as much effort in on the offensive end, battling in the post, and fighting for those rebounds. So watching him and Doncic lead both these teams in this game is going to be so interesting because of how young both these guys are. Now, speaking of the other parts of the young core, both these teams also have some rehabbing talent. 
with the Dallas Mavericks, that being Kristaps Porzingis, and on the Minnesota Timberwolves side, that being Andrew Wiggins. Now, Kristaps Porzingis, who's 24 years old, is coming off his long leg injury that everyone thought this was going to be a kind of rehabbing year for him. No one was really ready for him to perform at the same level he did before he went down, and this has kind of been aligned with those expectations. He's posting career low in field goal percentage with 39.8%, and is worth three-point percentage since his rookie season with 349 And both these together equal a points per game of 17.3, which is also lowest since. But his athleticism has not really diminished too much, and he's actually making up for a shooting slump with career, with career highs in re- rebounds with 9.4, assists with 1.5, and blocks with 2.2. And if you go beyond these stats, the eye test is really looking positive for him. Because when you watch him, he moves on the court really well and positions himself properly to get the open threes created by Doncic and if he continues kind of play at this high IQ level he's going to become the perfect complement to Doncic if he can get back to close to what he was before his leg injury causing this Mavericks team to be absolutely out of this world and the league will definitely be in trouble because the idea of having a young Dirk Nowitzki which is what Przingis kind of ideal would be with a 6-7 James Harden is what Luka Doncic is looking to be I have no idea how you even stop that how you even begin to stop that now, the other rehabbing talent is Andrew Wiggins, who's also 24 years old. And coming into the NBA, what analysts wanted out of Andrew Wiggins was a three-point shooting, aggressive rebounding, foul drawing, offensive creating, focal star. With his size and length to defend the league's best wings and forwards. This type of player would be the perfect complement to a pick-and-pop transition center like Carl Anthony Towns. And so far in his career, he has kind of been seen as a lazy, unmotivated player with all the talent in the world but no ambition to actualize it. But now... Everything's different because Coach Saunders has really changed this man. Apparently the tough love style of Tom Thibodeau, their prior coach, and the kind of breaking confidence down that he would kind of employ was not right for Andrew Wiggins or even Carl Anthony Towns for that matter. So Ryan Saunders has kind of done the exact opposite approach where he's building him up, his confidence, and making sure that he keeps doing the correct things. Just to show us improvement and keep in mind the kind of ideal player that we all wanted Andrew Wiggins to be. He's posting career highs in three-point attempts, field goal attempts, and percentage, rebounding, assists, blocks, and points. These are all, not small, but these are actually very large improvements. And with all this combined, he's also having the lowest amount of turnovers in his career. So he's being able to be more aggressive, shooting the right shots, and being a plus defender on the other side of the ball without giving up the ball as much as he used to. So across the board, exactly what you want out of this kind of player. And finally, looking at both these teams, so neither team in in the recent history or in the Wolves case ever have actually been strong playoff talents. But because of both of their young cores, they seem to be in the playoff picture this season. The Mavericks being in fifth in the Western Conference as of recording and just outside the top four makes sense as they've kind of separated themselves from the bottom playoff teams but are still specifically lower than the top end championship team. The Mavericks right now are playing as if they were kind of a lock for the playoffs. Well, the Wolves, on the other hand, have done enough to prove they're kind of a surefire playoff team but definitely not a top end talent team. So right now, because they're in seventh, they're kind of in that top seven through ten range in the Western Conference with the Suns, Resurgent Kings, and Sinking Blazers. So I can definitely see the Mavericks finishing between that 4-6 to six range coming playoff time and being a strong first round, maybe second round team with the Wolves being a more 7-8 team, getting in by a couple games and probably losing out in the first round, but it's still being such a great run for this young team, especially after losing Jimmy Butler, who led them to their last playoff run. So if you want to see both these courts go at it and watch a 7-foot center take on a 6-7 forward, come on down on... 
Wednesday, December 4th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern time to watch this game. Now on down to game number two, which is the Denver Nuggets at the Boston Celtics on Friday, December 6th at 5 Pacific or 8 Eastern Standard Time. This game is pretty simple. The reason I chose is because I think it's just going to be a really solid game. Both these teams are on the top half of their conferences, and I've kind of flirted with being the top spots. Neither team, though, is a championship favorite because they both lack the all-star talent. They have a lot of solid players like Jamal Murray and Jalen Brown, with, with the best players being Nikola Jokic and Kemba Walker. And another little fact about both these teams, both teams are very well coached, play egalitarian offenses, and have very solid, smart defending. Now, kind of walking through both these teams' fundamentals, the Celtics are 13-5 of at the time recording, with a, with a ninth-ranked defense, 11th-ranked offense, and overall net rating that's 7th in the league. Well, the Nuggets with a 13-4 and record with a surprising first in defensive rating and 17th in offensive rating with an overall eighth in net rating. Now, the biggest thing outside of their kind of top all-star players that I believe make both these teams very good is that they both have the most depth at the two through four position. So kind of like the P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington types. And it's the most scarce position in the league and kind of the best one where every championship team whether it be last year's Raptors, LeBron James Cavs, or even kind of like the Paul Pierce Ray Allen Celtics have all kind of been centered around or have had those two through four, like three and D types. And both these teams have so many high quality ones. Just to kind of run through a little bit, the Nuggets have Will Barton, Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, and waiting in the wings, they have Michael Porter Jr., but the Celtics have kind of a little more established names of Jalen Brown, Javante Green, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Grant Williams, and Daniel Tice. So it's not only that these teams have great wing players, but they have so many of them. So they'd be able to weather any kind of injury bug. Because when was the last time you heard about either of these teams going down because of injuries? I haven't heard about it for so many years. So weirdly on paper, both these teams are very similar. Just playing in different conferences. It's going to make this matchup so competitive and high quality. And the one big matchup thing that I really want to focus on in this game is Jokic versus any of the Celtic centers. So Jokic is such a weird player as he's kind of like seven feet tall, probably the best passing big man in the league, can shoot extremely well, but is not that aggressive. So he doesn't score that much, but he sets so much up for others. And he's kind of taken off recently, especially against lower quality center defenders. So he had 18 points on over 57% from the field and 40% from three to go along with the season high 10 assists the last time these teams played. And he had a season high 26 points on 63% from the field and 50 from three against the Rockets, who are a terrible defensive team. And they do not have the center depth or kind of guarding in space centers that could, ca- that could shut down a Nikola Jokic type. So that's kind of the player you should definitely watch in this matchup because I think he's definitely going to eat against this team, which is going to make the Celtics have to definitely over-execute and come down to maybe some iso ball, Kemba Walker, to get back in this game and make it a shootout. So if that piques your fancy or you're interested in this kind of game, come on down on Friday, December 6th at 5 p.m. Pacific or 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to catch this game. Now for a quick break, we'll, we'll be back with the third quarter. Welcome back to the third quarter, which are the games to the crazier NBA fans who are more interested in the granular details of the NBA. And we suffer through some bad garbage time just to see that two-way contract at the end of the bench get some minutes. 
We're going to start off with our one and only game for this quarter, which is the Phoenix Suns at the Houston Rockets on Saturday, December 7th at 5 p.m. Pacific or 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, usually I wouldn't pick the kind of matchups where it's a high-end playoff team against a low-end probable playoff team, but the Houston Rockets defense is so bad that this one could be actually be very competitive. And I kind of got motivated to watch this game because I've been watching more Harden games recently. And we're going to go into them a little bit more later. But I, but beyond that, I've also been watching a lot of Devin Booker. And just seeing how those two kind of play, it made me so curious to see how they would kind of play against each other. So the biggest matchup is the Harden versus Booker matchup. Well, they're both going to be on the court at the same time. So they're going to try to switch on to each other as both of these players have pretty horrendous defense. Harden a little more than Booker. And also, both of these players are incredible iso ball players. Again, Harden more than Booker. And incredible shooters and playmakers as well. They also both have point guards to pass it off to when in need with Westbrook and Rubio. And both play a pretty fast-paced game. So now on to the kind of the Harden statistics. So what really got me sold on this game was he went for 60 points against the Hawks last week. Now, granted, the Hawks are an absolutely horrendous defense, but I kind of have a feeling he could repeat it. Now, just going specific into Harden, he's been an absolute animal this season. He's number one in the league by far in points per game with 37.7 to go along with 6.1 rebounds and 7.8 assists with a whopping 30.39 PER. Now, just in November alone, he's scored over 40 points six times, including a 60-point game, like we just said, and three games in a row that he scored 47, 44, and 49. Now, obviously, his 37.7 is a career high in points, and I want to watch every game against shaky or unproven defenses to see if he can go for 80, because I kind of feel like he can this season. Now, just all in kind of like a serious note, the Suns' defense may not be elite. It actually has fallen off quite a bit recently. But it's going to have to be good to make the playoffs. Now, kind of what I talked about in the last quarter with the Timberwolves, the Suns are also in that battle for the 7th, 8th spot. And if their defense continues going the trend that it's been going so far, they're not going to be able to make it. So this isn't exactly a test because Harden's kind of on a roll right now, so we could inflate how bad the Suns' defense actually is. To make the playoffs, you're going to have to do more than just win the games you're supposed to. You're going to have to win games against top teams. And the Suns have wins against the 76ers and Clippers, which are great wins for them. But this is another chance for them to be competitive and prove that they are not the same old Suns. That was just kind of a W for their opponents on the schedule. And I believe this Rockets team is extremely vulnerable because they live and die with how well Harden's playing. And if he's kind of in a rut, they do not have the defensive chops or offensive creativity or depth to kind of grind out harder wins. So that's this whole game. It's got everything I have to say about it. But if you want to see it like I do, come on down on Saturday, December 7th at 5 p.m. Pacific or 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And hey, maybe Harden will go for 100. And now for our last break, where we're going to be back with the fourth quarter. So hey listeners, welcome back to the fourth quarter where I'm going to detail to you the two can't-miss games for this week of NBA action. Now the first game you cannot miss this week is the Clippers at Bucks on Friday, December 6th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. This one's pretty easy and self-explanatory. Top of the West versus the top of the East, Giannis, Kawhi, Paul George, 
Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, so many superstars in this and so much to learn from this game. The implications early may not be that important, but if you kind of really dig in, you can see that the Bucks really do want to have home court advantage and be the top of the East going through, especially against their rival Philly team that at any point have the defensive size and talent to take out any team. On the Clippers side, the West is so competitive 1 through 8, maybe even 1 through 10, that any win is a valuable win. And any kind of reps that this Clippers team have against top-end talent, specifically in the Eastern Conference, so they don't really get to play that much, and so much of the Eastern Conference is made up of bad teams, you're going to have to take it. And they definitely want to take the as learning opportunities every single time. So again, if you want to hear about this, go back to court number one to hear my full detail. But if not, just watch the game on Friday, December 6th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time, and we'll chat about it next week. Now, the second game is the first game from quarter number two, which is the Dallas Mavericks at the Minnesota Timberwolves on Wednesday, December 4th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. Now, both these young cores are so exciting, and I've been on such a roll recently. Like, both these teams, superstars and rehabbing talents, are having outstanding seasons. And watching them kind of clash together could produce a nail-biting, overtime, buzzer-beating kind of game. Also, any chance you have to see Luka Doncic play against non-superstar-oriented teams is going to be outstanding. Because this man is averaging a 30-point triple-double. And on the other side, you can watch Towns, who's a 7-foot monster shoot nine threes a game with incredible efficiency and pushing the ball in transition to Andrew Wiggins, which which is Canada's sweetheart, who's coming back and is also playing out of his mind. And back on Dallas, you can see Luka Doncic do a pick and pop with Kristaps Porzingis, which is basically equivalent of seeing a 20-year-old actualized talent-wise Harden doing a pick and pop with 24-year-old Dirk Nowitzki where they're both signed on to play the next half decade together. We're not going to have that many chances to see this kind of matchup before either of these teams hit their prime. So we got to take every chance we can get. Our first chance for this is going down on Wednesday, December 4th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. And I hope to see you. So that's it for this week, listeners. I'll catch you next week to recap the previous week of NBA action and to preview the next seven days of the NBA 2019-20 season. This has been week seven of NBA Games of the Week. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcast at the same name, NBA Games of the Week. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at NBA GOTW to stay up to date with the podcast and never miss an episode. And don't worry, forget any of these. Links to all these places will be in the description of this episode. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you all next Monday.